0: single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life, this is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm your host, Eugene, and this week we are going to be trying a little bit of an experiment here because as... It has been pointed out to me several times in the past. I'm overly critical on Doctor Who because it's not made for 40-plus-year-old men like Ben and I. It's made for kids. And so tonight's guest host is Michelle, my daughter. Hello, Michelle. Hello. And Michelle is uh, 10 years old the last time I checked, right? Yep. <laughs> Okay, and so I'm going to be asking her questions About uh, the latest episode of Doctor Who Mark Gatiss' The Crimson Terror And maybe we'll talk a little bit about Doctor Who in general But first, let's start off with a synopsis of this week's episode In Yorkshire, 1893 The story opens with a man entering a mysterious room And simultaneously, Mrs. Gilliflower Coming to express her sympathies for his death In advance of his death screams Later, in the morgue the dead man's brother views the body. He is bright red, a victim of the crimson horror, a mysterious killer that has been plaguing Yorkshire. He takes the mystery to Lady Vastra to explain that there is an image of the thing he saw last in his dead eyes. Vastra pooh poos the idea, but when the pictures are developed, there is an image in the dead man's eyes. The image of the doctor. She and her gang travel to the north with the idea of having Jenny infiltrate Mrs. Gilliflower's mill, Sweetville. Miss Gillyflower recruits workers who meet her own standards of moral purity and perfection. She preaches to them about the coming judgment day of the apocalypse. At the presentation, she presents her blinded daughter, Ada, as an example of what can happen if one isn't pure enough. Ada's father blinded her in a fit of immorality. Later, we see Ada feeding an unseen prisoner in a cell. She has obvious fondness for the prisoner, but refers to him as her «dear monster». Jenny has infiltrated Sweetville and discovers the mill is a fake, the sounds created by phonograms. Meanwhile, in the morgue, Vastra gathers evidence of the Crimson Horror. She's shown a poison that she's seen before, 65 million years ago. Jenny finds the monster's door, and behind it, an arm, red, with the Crimson Horror. When she opens the door, she finds it's the Doctor, unable to speak, partially solidified and covered in red. She flees with the disabled Doctor and enters... The Red Room, where they witness the Sweetville applicants being dipped in a vat of the red liquid. Ada discovers the doctor is gone and is very distraught. The doctor guides Jenny to a room where, with the aid of the sonic screwdriver, is cured. He then explains to her, by means of a flashback, how he came to be a prisoner. The TARDIS arrived in the right year, but once again the wrong city. They soon become embroiled in the mystery of the Crimson Horror, which leads them inevitably to Miss Gilliflower. The Doctor and Clara go undercover as Doctor and Mrs. Smith and learn that Sweetville is named after Mrs. Gilliflower's silent partner, Mr. Sweet. They are captured and put through the dipping process. The process turns them into doll-like statues, preserving them, but some are rejects and turn red and die. The Doctor is a reject, but is not dead, so the daughter puts him away to be her monster." The Doctor and Jenny search for Clara and find her in a giant bell jar. Ada continues to pine and confesses to her mother, who explains that there is no place for her in her world of perfection. This crushes Ada even more as she believes her mother's tales of the apocalypse. While the Doctor tries to cure Clara, the pilgrims attack. Jenny whips them, just as Strax and Vastra arrive to aid in the attack. Vastra explains the red leech from her time, and that somehow now it is back. Clara points out the chimney, which, where they discover a missile with a poison being loaded into it. The doctor finds Ada. They confront Miss Gillyflower, and she reveals Mr. Sweet is a symbiote attached to her chest, a hideous red leech. It grew in the polluted rivers of Yorkshire around it. She tells us her plan and how she used her daughter as a guinea pig, causing her blindness. Ada, infuriated, attacks her mother, and in the confusion, Clara puts out the main rocket launch control with a chair. Mrs. Gilliflower uses her daughter as a hostage and escapes to the missile, where she has a secondary launch control. She launches the rocket, but Jenny and Vastor have already taken out the poison, rendering the rocket mostly harmless. Strax arrives and shoots her, and she falls to her death. Mr. Sweet leaves her, but Ada soon kills it. And that's it, basically, in a nutshell. So, Michelle, tell me, did you like this episode?
1: Yes, because it was one of the better stories that they had. And comparing it to the other episodes of Series Seven, um, Part B, um, it's actually pretty good.
0: So, I I personally like the story myself. I don't. I liked it. I thought it was a little bit plain, but it was uh, it was enjoyable from one to the other, and I wasn't too horribly uh, offended by any of the particular details. Although there is a scene where. Uh, Lady Vastra is talking about how she's seen this poison before, 65 million years ago, which, uh, as as you know, I'm sure, Michelle, what what, uh, what geologic uh, era was that?
1: Um, that was the time when there was the end of the dinosaurs. Or... Mm-hmm.
0: And what's that one called?
1: Isn't that the Cretaceous? But they said it was the Jurassic.
0: (laughs) The doctor says he's going to take it back to the Jurassic later on, which is like millions, tens of millions of years prior to when this thing came from. So just another example of my never-ending complaint about the Silurians. I love the Silurians, but every time anyone ever brings them up on the show, they get their geologic ages totally, totally screwed up. But, I mean, that's par for the course with the Silurians. So, what, what, is it, what is it that you liked about this episode, apart from it being better than, than the others?
1: The whole plot was more exciting than some of the others, and it had more of, I don't know, a story thing to it.
0: Okay. What do you think about the characters? Uh, I mean, the Doctor wasn't in the first part of it, so they substituted Lady Vastra, Jenny, and Strax. What, what do you think of them?
1: Honestly, I really don't know what to think. I mean, they help out the doctor occasionally. You know, they're sort of friends, but I really don't know.
0: <laughs> well, there's been talk about making the three of them into uh, a separate TV series, kind of like they did with Sarah Jane and the Sarah Jane Adventures. And they've thought about making th- these Victorian tales of these three uh, creatures. Do you, uh, would you watch that show if it was on? Yes. Do you think do you think Strax is funny? The yes, there is a special
1: there is especially that part where um when they're fighting off the pilgrims when Lady Vastra well not exactly that one, but when Lady Vastra's like go outside, and then he's like all complaining and then he all says I'll go play with my hand grenades.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you is is the humor an important part of Doctor Who to you?
1: Yes, it's really cuz um it was originally made to help um, kids teach, so help kids learn about um, history, and it'll be a lot easier if they make it more funny. Even though it's not exactly meant to be like that right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so what did you think of the red leech? Did you think that was a, a, a particularly good villain? Was it intelligent? Let me ask you that question. Did you get that feeling out of the the creature? Was it was it helping her along, or was it just? A parasite that was because it never really does anything you know like it, it when she dies it crawls away it never speaks it never does anything I, I couldn't tell frankly I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be intelligent or whether it was supposed to be in some way making her crazy or making I mean she was obviously crazy um, but I didn't get a feel for it one way or the other did you
1: I think that um, Miss Gilly Flower mm-hmm. was the more of the brains of the group, and then she used them to start, well, to create her own world mm-hmm.
0: thing. Do you think the? Do you think that? Well, I guess the question is like: Did she develop the rocket on her own, or did somehow did the did a leech teach her how to build a rocket in Victorian England?
1: I'm not really sure about that part. Actually, I'm not sure how they figured out about the rocket part. I mean. Making it would probably be have been kind of hard, but you know, since the leeches from the Cretaceous-Jurassic whatever they said <laughs> era, um, I'm not really sure how it knows about how to make a rocket.
0: Okay, okay. And so, did did Mrs. Gilliflower feel like, uh, as a villain, did you understand her motivations? I and mean, what was her what was her point behind this?
1: Well, I'm not sure why she did it, but she was planning on, um, like, destroying all the life on Earth, and except for keeping a few people and herself to start a whole new age of life on Earth.
0: Mm. Does that remind you of Moonraker at all?
1: Yes, it does. Because <laughs> um, they're trying to use the poison, get in the atmosphere, destroy all life on Earth with a few people up in space to go back and start a new life on Earth.
0: Let me ask you a couple of questions about Doctor Who in general, because, you know, the reason that you're on here today is I, I, you know, I don't have much about this episode. This, I enjoyed this episode. I didn't think it was a great episode. I didn't think it was a terrible episode, but I certainly didn't have a lot that, that bothered me except for the Jurassic thing. And the fact that I just didn't have a clear understanding of how, Miss Gillyflower was able to build the rocket or harness the poison unless the leech was giving her, you know, information. And she kind of said that it did, but she didn't really – it really wasn't any demonstration of it. But so – so, but like I say, I've had a – We've had some, Ben and I have had some uh, criticism that says, you know, we're, we're taking it a little too hard. Can you just give me a brief rundown? Uh, so this year we've had uh, the the Bells of St. John, the Rings of Akaten, Cold War, Hyde, and Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, and this episode. So, how, which of those have you liked or not liked uh, of the bunch? Uh, and how do you think this series has compared to, say, last year with the last year of Amy and Rory, or last half of this year?
1: Well, it wasn't as good. I think the last part of Amy and Rory was much better because the stories had more excitement and there was more of a plot plan thing. And um most of the stories in the series I really didn't like because of... um they didn't really do that much in the Rings of Octon, They mainly just um, were singing just to stop it, and then they like tossed a leaf of infinity things that ever could have happened but didn't to the parasite sun thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And well, and well, um, well. it didn't. And Series Seven Part B didn't really have that many good episodes. If the only really good episodes that they had were um the bells of saint john and then maybe this one
0: mm. uh, so what about uh, what about cold war
1: cold war was okay it's not too bad but it's not you know really good
0: you didn't like the ice warriors so you are you familiar with ice warriors from elsewhere
1: no you didn't get you didn't show me them yet
0: <laughs> all right so what about Hyde, the ghosty Hyde. story
1: Um, that one was also, like, the Cold War. It was, um, good, but it wasn't, like, really good or terrible. Hmm. It was more of in the middle.
0: Okay. And do you think the mystery with Clara is interesting about the girl twice dead? Do you think that's going anywhere?
1: No, honestly, I don't see it going anywhere right now, but, um, it's a good mystery, but they just aren't really giving us that many clues. Mm. Nothing to help us out along the way, so we can't, like, guess anything.
0: Oh, I forgot to ask. What what about Journey to the Center of the TARDIS?
1: That was one of the bad episodes.
0: That was one of the bad episodes. Why was that a bad episode, just just for my...
1: It was, well, the story wasn't good. The whole TARDIS self-destruct thing, when there wasn't really one. And the TARDIS getting destroyed. And... I really don't get at all why somebody would pretend that somebody else was an android.
0: You don't understand their motivation. I don't think any I don't think the writers understood it either. To be fair. Um all right, so I understand that uh, you could be considered a bit of a Doctor Who fan from from what I know you have I know you and your friend at school are uh always doing Doctor Who stuff and uh, so it, are there a lot of kids at school that do the Doctor Who thing, or is it just you and your one friend, or what?
1: No, not a lot of kids. There are, say, probably five kids in fifth grade total. There's me, my two friends, Salman, maybe one more that mm-hmm. I don't know about, but um, I really don't think that there are that many kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Some uh, of go ahead. the
1: older, the upper-grader kids probably know a little about it but well actually they probably do because we know some kids who've like pointed out to um my friend's doctor who shirts Mm -hmm. and mine isn't really as easily gotten it just has sherlock doctor who and harry potter so people mainly only get harry potter
0: (laughs) are your friends mostly fans of the new series i mean from the ninth doctor on do they know anything about classic doctor who
1: One of my friends only knows about the um, newer ones, and the other friend is trying to watch the older ones, but they don't really have it, so they have to get it from the library and it takes longer.
0: Mm. Who is is your favorite doctor, then, of all of Um, them?
1: Either the 5th or the 11th.
0: The 5th or the 11th. Okay. Okay.
1: Because of their stories were more better and exciting for the majority. Not all of them were, but for the majority they were part of the better stories and they also had the better companions better half the companions
0: okay tell me tell me who are your uh, well tell me some stories that you remember from the 5th or the 11th doctor that come to mind
1: um, day of the moon that was a really good one in my opinion at least mm-hmm. and i really like just i don't know the genius behind the part where he just puts the video of the silence um right before Neil Armstrong steps on the moon. So that um that was that episode, right? Sometimes it's I can't exactly Day of
0: the, the Moon answer. or the Impossible Astronaut, one of the two, yeah.
1: No, the Impossible Astronauts where the Doctor got shot. That's also a pretty good it one. It's a two part
0: story, so I don't remember oh, which yeah, one's yeah. which. It was supposedly a two part story anyway. Um,
1: um the Pandora opens Big Bang mm-hmm. too. Um those are also really good. The stories um how they how they just form the story and the Pandorica, also, that was pretty good. Um, actually, for the Alliance, though, that part wasn't as good. I just think that they got, like, all the costumes that they had. hmm And they just made those there. I mean, the Cyber and the Daleks and that stuff, I could get it. But um, some of them were not on the more um, evil side. Like, I think the Jadun...
0: The Jadun... Yeah, Jadun.
1: Yeah.
0: I think they had Jadun and Sontarans and... Yeah. uh, Let's see. They mentioned the Silurians, but I don't think we saw any. Yeah, I didn't see any there. Um, I think they got a a name check for the Zygons, but they didn't show them as well. Um, But yeah, I think it was basically what costumes they had available for them. Uh, What about the Fifth Doctor?
1: Oh, the Fifth Doctor? um, Some of the really good stories were... well, the stories around the Black Guardian trilogy...
0: Okay. Um, um, Enlightenment, uh, Modern Undead, and... Uh, Term- Terminus. Uh, no, no, Terminus is not.
1: Terminus, yeah.
0: No, no, no it's not Terminus.
1: Sorry. Terminus. I thought it was.
0: Terminus is right after the Black Guardian. Is it? Enlightenment's the last one with the Black Guardian. Enlightenment's
1: the last one, yeah. And
0: you got the modern undead, that's the first one, and then you It's Terminus
1: got... where they drop this off, isn't it?
0: Yeah, but the Black Guardian was defeated at the end of Enlightenment, so...
1: I know, but they're still there. Remember? There was the, the TARDIS. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah you're, right you're right, Dole, you're right,
0: right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. And are the Black Guardian right. closed the door and turned low. Yeah, you are absolutely right there. That is showing my... my... Total lack of memory for Peter Davidson era. Uh, Any of the others in there that you remember?
1: Um, That are really good. Mm -hmm. Well, I like the Key to Time series, even though that's not in the Fifth Doctor. Right. But um, that was a really good section. And for the Fifth Doctor, um, Castrovalo is actually also pretty good.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Or Earthshock.
0: Uh, I liked Earthshock because Adric got blown up. I love Earthshock. Hey, that's not
1: nice. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> so uh speaking of uh, you see you also mentioned that you like the 5th and the 11th Doctor because of the companions who 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 are standout companions and they don't have to be the 5th or the 11th Doctor but but who are your who are your favorite companions and why throughout Doctor Who?
1: Well, I like River but I'm not really sure that she counts as a companion. Okay. But because of um the mystery, it's still kind of mystery well up until like almost the very end mm-hmm. about her. And um, there's Nissan and Zoe,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. they're really good with the... Um, Technology
0: the and computers, that kind yeah. of stuff, yeah.
1: I really like how in Invasion was it, where Zoe, like, she blew up the computer by giving it a sequence yep. of, was it like an unsolvable problem or it
0: something? Was a, it was a, re- uh, a computer program that would go on infinitely, so that it would never, could never be ended in... I would overlook the computer if uh, unfortunately it's a clever idea and I liked it and particularly considering it was in you know black and white trout era um that that they they tried to do something with computers but you know if if every time you put a computer in an infinite loop it blew up every first year computer student would uh, would destroy every computer they worked on. <laughs> but but I I agree with you it's nice that Zoe Zoe was an intelligent companion for um uh for the doctor and and this has been a criticism that was um, was leveled at Doctor Who for many years that the girls were just kind of there to to scream and and run away is that I mean do you do you see that as is that still the case with modern companions do you see a difference between old companions do you feel like Sarah Jane Smith or or um, Joe Grant or Liz Shaw or or any of the older companions were were that way really or
1: no, not really. Not as much. Well, not as much as people probably think that they're there for. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always some parts where they just have to have something like that. But um, no, not really.
0: Hmm. Do you think, uh, you know, the last strand of episodes, notwithstanding, do you think uh, Doctor Who has is progressively getting better progressively getting worse is it has it come and gone over the years uh, at different times can you can you think of places where you, you you're watching doctor who and you think yeah i don't i don't really care for these anymore or these are these are great anything like that any stretch i mean i, I know that you haven't seen uh, all of you haven't seen all of them that i have in in my collection for that matter but i think you've seen most of uh 4th 5th 6th uh eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh doctor, and a fair amount of first second third and uh and um, seventh
1: I haven't seen that many of the first and the second
0: there aren't that many of the first and second yeah, to be fair, but
1: maybe like one or two of the third but uh once well you hit the fourth doctor they' um are uh one of the better. Mm-hmm. parts of the Doctor Who series, and then the fifth Doctor, it's a little better than the fourth, and then we get to the sixth, it goes down a little, and I don't know about the seventh, I've seen the eighth, so it goes down a lot more, and then once we get back to the ninth, it starts going back up again.
0: Mm. Okay. Alright, well, do you have any uh, do you have any final thoughts on the episode of Hyde? Now, if you didn't know, Hyde was written by the same author who wrote uh, Cold War, and he also wrote. Uh, let's see if you remember these episodes. Do you remember the Unquiet Dead?
1: Uh, no.
0: Ninth Doctor, the gas zombies.
1: Oh, that one. Yeah.
0: No. He wrote um, the Idiot's Lantern. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. Okay, that's going to be the Tenth Doctor and Rose, and the people were having their faces stolen, and there was the creature in the in the TVs. No.
1: Mm, no.
0: Interesting. Victory of the Daleks. That's uh, with the Daleks helping out Churchill in World War Two. Probably.
1: probably. Yes. Yeah. That one. Yep. <laughs> you,
0: I probably remember that one. Uh, okay. Um, and then let's see. I'm sure. He, I think he's written one other. Oh, he he wrote. Um, it's not Fear Her. It's. No, um, I can't think of it. It's the one where the little boy could like put Amy and Rory in the dollhouse.
1: Uh, it's it's uh. Uh, Night Terrors.
0: Night Terrors, very good. Yes, he wrote that one. And then he also wrote, uh, you know, the, the Cold War on this one. so um, some people think he might be the guy who takes over uh, after Stephen Moffat. Uh, do you think he's up to the task for, yes, for running the show?
1: That's, that's yeah. It's, it's probably a good idea. I mean, some of the other stories, he didn't write The Rings of Octon, did he?
0: No, 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 no. As
1: long as the guy who... Um, wrote The Rings of octon isn't it? Then I'm I'm good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy who wrote Rings of octon also wrote Hyde. So, those two episodes were uh, I thought I personally thought Rings of octon was very bad um and I thought Hyde was quite good except for I didn't I didn't like the ending because it yeah. didn't it didn't explain a whole lot there with the the other creature that was very menacing, but I uh, yeah, I would agree that I, I would not Currently endorse that gentleman to take over the show in the future. Uh, all right, Michelle. Well, that is, uh, I think, and like I was going to say, unless you have anything else to say about Hy- or not hide uh, the episode we're talking about, uh, the Crimson Terror. Um, does it bother you that it's a it bother you that it's you know, set in in the past in the Victorian times? Do you do you mind the ones set in the old times, or do you like spacey stories or modern stories? Which I which- don't
1: mind the ones that are set in the older times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, because of It just gives it more of the time travel thing. I mean, if they always time traveled to the future, then it really wouldn't be as much as, well, actual time traveling machines do. Hmm. Especially if the TARDIS is random. Wouldn't it eventually pop up in the past if it, so if it didn't go there, then... It
0: is the TARDIS random. I mean, have you noticed that, uh, say, if you go back to the fourth or fifth Doctor, that he really never landed? I mean, look at all that time he spent trying to get Tegan... Back to Heathrow, and he just never could do it. I mean, the TARDIS used to be not functional, and now, basically, almost every story, the doctor lands exactly where he wants, when he wants, except in a dark data stories. But that's uh, do, you, do you think it's better or worse? Do you think the doctor benefits, or no, not the doctor, because obviously the doctor benefits from his TARDIS going where he wants it to go. But do you think the stories benefit from, from his? Wanderings being aimless or for his ability to go where he wants to go?
1: I think if it was aimless, that'd be better, but in stories like High, then he wouldn't be able to get the slideshow. So, um, the slideshow for the um, girl that was running.
0: Well, can from- you imagine back in the days when he was trying to get Tegan to Heathrow and then he, you know, if he had to rely on the TARDIS to do something like go back in time and get the slideshow? Obviously, he'd never find his way back. So it, from, the, from the point of the story, if you think about it, um, in the older stories, the doctor arrived somewhere and he had to deal with the problem. And then he left. Because if he got in the TARDIS and turned it on, he would never be able to come back. Almost, almost was certain he would never be able to come back. And did that make it... Did that make the doctor have to rely on himself more? Or, you know, now he's got the magic TARDIS that can go save him like it did in, in Bells of St. John where he could hop in the TARDIS and fly onto the airplane or he could – or he can – in in Hyde where he could go back in time and take a slideshow or – is that is that a crutch for, for not being able to come up with a good story or is that – And it's a fundamental shift in the way the stories are told in Doctor Who. Whereas, like I say, in the earlier ones, Doctor Who, he had to sit in one place and solve the problem before leaving. And now he can basically go wherever. I mean, he, you know, if if he wanted to, he could be in the middle of a crisis. He could leave, travel around for 3,500 years, come back to that spot and solve it later on if he wanted to. So... Or for example, if he's got a, they're trapped somewhere and they have a problem, he could go fly off somewhere, find the weapon he needs, and bring it back. And so, it, it, you know, the TARDIS is kind of a magic, a magic box. And if they rely on magic too much, does it undermine the stories?
1: Um, I think it does. But then again, for the fourth and fifth Doctor, he installed the randomizer, so um, right. that's why probably why he like never went where he wanted.
0: Well, he took the ran- Well, the fifth Doctor didn't have the randomizer in it. Oh. He got he rid did? of the he got rid of the randomizer in Leisure Hive. Uh, oh, he did. Yeah, he had to take it out to uh, build the device to um, fix him, de-age him, as I recall. He needed that. Uh, I was
1: wondering about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically, Especially when he
1: built the new control panel in the uh, the five Doctors
0: prior to the Key of Time. You know, he didn't have the randomizer in there. He just simply didn't know how to fly the TARDIS, and he, he didn't, he couldn't. Whether it was defective or whether he couldn't fly it, we never really knew. But prior to the key to time, now when they got the key to time, he had that tracer. And the tracer, you know, he'd been getting better at flying it, but the tracer allowed them to hone in and go exactly where they needed to go to get the, the parts. And then afterwards, he installed the randomizer so that the uh, Black Guardian would never be able to find him. But... <laughs> You know, they got rid of that, but obviously during the Davison era, he still continued to not be able to put the TARDIS where he needed it to. Except once in a while, you know. Um, I, I think it just adds a different character to the show. Anyway, I apologize. I cut you off when you were going to tell me your last thoughts on, on uh, uh, the Crimson Horror.
1: Um, so in the Crimson Horror, I really don't get at the very end where Clara comes back um i think instead of taking the kids out she should have well instead of saying that they could come she should have just let them tell her and then they her their dad probably wouldn't believe them and seriously if you're taking the little kids out um they could get in big danger like what they've been going through in the last few episodes so you'd think she'd be able to figure that out
0: <laughs> so does that mean you're not looking forward to the next episode uh, with the Cybermen in it? Or uh, do you think that the, they'll be able to? those kids will be in the way, or will those kids be helpful?
1: They'll probably be both of them. They'll probably get in the way sometimes, but then um, they'll probably be able to help out, too.
0: All right. Well, Michelle, thank you for joining me here on this sort of impromptu episode of Fusion Patrol. And uh, to our listeners, I hope you'll join us again next time when we look at... Um, Uh, The episode whose name eludes me at the moment, but it is not Silver Nemesis, but it's something like that. And it's Cyberman and it's Neil Gaiman, who is, uh, after his first episode, The Doctor's Wife, this episode is highly anticipated. So until next time, thank you for joining me, Michelle. Bye. And good night to everyone. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us, leave us a review on iTunes, or stop by and visit at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter, search for Fusion Patrol, or just drop us a note at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.